If y'all don't know who I am, I really want to, um, some people have asked where have you been. Uh, I haven't been in New Milford um, since, I think, before Easter. Um, I got recently, I've got promoted. My role has changed for the church, and I oversee all four of our locations. And so I've been spending a lot of time in Atlanta, New York City, as well as uh, Waterbury. Shout out again. I love y'all. Um, so we've been spending time there. If you don't know who I am, my name is Chris. I was born by two bright, white, wonderbred parents. I married a Mexican when I was 21. We imported and adopted an Iranian and a Cuban. I Hold on, I'm missing one. We have two beautiful mixed babies. Our best friends are British, and I learned how to preach in a black church. So I'm ready to go this morning. What about you? That's who I am. So one of the big things that we have done in the last few months, and if, unless you haven't heard about it, we have opened Waterbury in Atlanta. That was a huge success of all of our hard work in coming together and making that happen. And that happened on May 6th. But I got to be honest with you, what happens after May 6th? May 7th. Y'all go to school, elementary, calendar? Anyway, love y'all. I went to public school. I didn't know that. I had to look. Um, May 7th happens. And the reality and the gravity of what we're doing hits me. And the responsibility that has been trusted and put on my shoulders in a lot of ways hits me. And I've like, I have no idea how we do this. Like, I know our vision and our heart, and I know what pastor's heart is and, and what we're called to do and who we are as a church, but I have no idea how we do anything. I don't even know, like, I've been so far removed from kids' ministry. I don't know how we do kids' ministry. I don't know how we do groups. I don't know any of this. I don't even know how software did, even though I was in a training five years ago that I was supposed to be paying attention and that it totally blew off. And now i got to learn how to use all this stuff. And for the first time in a long time, I begin to fail at something I'm passionate about. I felt like I was losing every single day, May 7th, May 8th, May 9th. Every single day, I felt like I was losing. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation in a job or in a role or some area that you volunteer or sign up to, but I'm passionate about church. I'm passionate about seeing people being united with hope and being that destiny that God has uniquely purposed for them coming alive. Is I don't know. It's, I'm hooked. I'm a drug. I love it. i got to see it in people. But I felt like I was losing every single day, every single week, and I felt like I was losing. I'd work on this, and then something else would come up, and I was just like, I can't get a handle. And I slowly began to slip into depression. I didn't want to talk to my wife, she'll tell you. I didn't want to talk to my kids. I didn't want, to, I didn't want anybody to know. I, th- I wanted everyone to think I can handle it. The reality of this situation, I couldn't. See, passages that pump me up. I know you're going to hear it from other pastors, and they're going to probably tell you different stories and stuff. This is real to me. This is where I am now. This is not something that happened a couple years ago. This isn't something I'm completely through. This is where I am now. And these passages pump me up every single day, every single minute. And I decided on July 4th, I woke up, and I don't know if it was Independence Day or the fact that I fell asleep watching The Patriot, but I said, enough is enough. Something's got to change. So I started grabbing these Bible verses. I started memorizing them. I started living them. I started praying. I said, listen, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good leader. And I started saying these verses over and over and over until something changed. This message today is for anybody here that feels like you're incapable. You feel like giving up. 
If you're like, you can't do anything right. Maybe you've been knocked down and there's no way you're getting back up. You're tired of being knocked down over and over again. And maybe you're tired of being defeated in the same battle, in the same fight. This message, this series is for you. God put you in here today to know I needed it. I needed the reminder. I needed to be pumped up that I can win if I can't give up. And that I've got things and calling and places that anytime I get knocked up, knocked down, I got to get back up. And at the end of it all, we win. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. And I surrender. I surrender everything that I have to you. I surrender my identity. I surrender the last month of preparation, the last season that you've been working in my life and still continue to work in. I realize that I stand on the shoulders of great men of God. Arthur Lowe, Jeff Bazance, Charles Lambert, Whit Piker, Kelly Goins, Fredro Givens, Bruce Klepp, and Pastor Frank. I know that I stand here and I'm stepping into the anointing and the calling for this time and this word so that we can be encouraged because we need it. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. First passage that I needed, I needed the reminder, I needed to see, this was was Philippians 4.13. My first point is I can. Philippians 4.13 says this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of times we read this and we think, I've got strength to do all things. I can do everything. I can do all things. We all go try out and do all things. I can do all things. I've got strength. I can. I can. I can. I've got strength. I can. All things. But we forget a key element in that formula. I had to get a real job. I know some of you all think that, you know, being a pastor, we only work one day a week, which is mostly true. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. No, not really. Some of you all like it. All right, be worth me. Come on, Atlanta. The people in New Milford not helping me out. Let's make some noise. I'm joking. I had to get a real job. I had to work with my hands. I got a job working. And I don't know if you've ever done this in a job interview. Um, I shouldn't tell you that I did this, but I, um, I, um, nope, I straight up lied through this interview. I don't know if you've ever been in an interview where you're completely unqualified and you have no business sitting at the table. Anybody ever do that? I feel that every day in my office. But anyway, I'm sitting in this interview. I got to get a real job. Our church in Miami's in a bad way. They don't know if they can pay me in two weeks. And I'm desperate. And you know when you're desperate, you go back to whatever you can. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like Linda Classifieds. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I went to the ad to fix dishwashers. <laughs> and I know you might be thinking, oh, something in your past, Chris, might be, you know, lend you to think that you're mechanically inclined. Nope. Maybe that your dad was like worked on appliances when you were a kid. No, not really. No, no. Maybe you went to a trade. No, nothing. I didn't know. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of dishwashers, like the thing that we shove under the sink in the, um, what's that place? Kitchen. Um, and I didn't just look at my wife when I said kitchen. That would be sexist. Um, <laughs> I love you, babe, but you can cook. Let's just be honest. It's good. Um, so I, I lied my way through this interview, straight up lie. I'm not, I'm not proud of it, kind of, um, but I, it's funny to tell now. 
the, in the dishwashers I would start working on are the size of a tractor trailer. <laughs> and get this. <laughs> There's people that call a 1-800 number because, they're, because the company's going to send an expert. <laughs> so these guys are calling the 1-800 number thinking an expert's going to come in and fix their dish machine. And they get this 300-pound white guy walking through the door like, what's up? No idea what I'm doing. I'm not 300 pounds anymore, thank goodness. I'm close, though, working on it. And... I get there, I remember, and, and part of the gig, part of the job was I was on call 24-7, 365, just the way it was. You get a call at 3 a.m., you had to go. So I get a call from this restaurant um, in Coral Gables. It's a fresh restaurant. How many guys have ever um, eaten at a rest- uh, French restaurant? Lift your hand. Uh, look around, everybody. These are what we call survivors. These are survivors. Because I've worked for um, inside French restaurants, and ratatouille is a real thing. Like, I'm sitting there trying to work on this dishwasher, and I got this little guy coming up to me. He's like, would you like to do a song and dance number? And I'm like, no, what? You're right. Like, it's a real thing. So congratulations. I'm surprised you're still alive. That's good. God bless you. That's not, I know that's stereotypical. It's not all French restaurants are that way. But they probably are. Anyway. And I was in there trying to fix this dishwasher. And I'm losing my mind. I got no idea what I'm doing. And I got like this two-star Michelin chef like, what is wrong with the dishwasher? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to hit it with a hammer. You know, like, I have no idea. And I kind of hit that point where I'm tired, I'm frustrated. And I know I'm completely incapable to do what I'm tasked with. I'm trying to, I've got the strength I'm trying to do all things, but I'm forgetting the key to the formula. And in that moment, I remember closing my eyes, and it's a lesson that stuck with me the rest of my life. I closed my eyes. I said, Jesus, I need your help. I got no idea what I'm doing right now. I need your strength because I know if you help me, I can do this. It is a principle and it is a prayer that has changed my life ever since. Because in 10 minutes, I was out of there and I was on my way home. See, a lot of times we need to remember just because the Bible tells you you can and you have all the strength. What are you doing through Jesus? If you're tired today and you don't have the strength to stand and you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I can do, but I'm tired. I'm worn up, worn out. My question to you is like, what are you doing? Where's Jesus in the process? Are you trying to do it on your own? Are you trying to fix your family on your own? Are you trying to fix your kids and your finances and your job on your own? What would it look like if you took those situations and instead of saying, I'm going to do it on my strength, I can do it. What if you did it through Christ? What if you injected the power of Jesus? Jesus Christ, your Lord and the Savior, the one who died for every sin and mistake you've ever made. I'm preaching really good, so you better make some noise for me. You imagine how different that situation would be if you did it through Christ. Our abilities become our adversaries when we don't allow access to Jesus. We're an incredibly talented society. We're better educated. If you don't think our, you think American education's bad, think about this for a moment. The Bible that you and I read, written and experienced by disciples, we are better, better educated than every single person who put pen to tablet or iPad, whatever they use back in there. Um, we're better educated than them. 
But our abilities can get in the way of what God is trying to do in our life when we think that we can do it on our own because we can't. We have to do it through Christ. I needed it. I needed the reminder. I needed a passage to pump me back up, to get me out of my, my own head. And I had to remember, number one, that I can. Number two, I can't. Number one, I can. Number two, I can't. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Just the right time. God is a God of timing and seasons. And I stink at timing. <laughs> Matter of fact, like we're in, you know, we'll be in a meeting, you know, around, you know, trying to make some decisions. Like, okay, so what do you guys think we should do about this outreach? And I'm like, hey, look, the Phillies just got a trade. Oh, my goodness, they got the first round draft. And they're like, hey, shh, who invited the kid? Like, seriously, shh, pack down. Like, hush. Because I just never understood timing. I'm just always like all over the place. I don't know if it's my ADHD. I hear something. I think something is really funny. I'm scrolling on Instagram when I'm supposed to be paying attention. And all of a sudden I get really excited and just, and just blurt it out. It's just who I am. It's, I'm trying my best. But I get really excited. See, I want to do things quick. Now. Right away. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't, I don't want to stand back. I want to get it done. I want, to, I want to check it off. And when I write about it in my dailies, I want to be like, yeah, I did all this stuff. I want to do it right away. But God doesn't function that way. God is a God of seasons and timing at just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a blessing if we don't give up. See, what I've had to learn, you have to be addicted to the journey. A couple years ago, we had this crazy idea that we would go on vacation. Not that vacation's crazy, but the idea of what we were going to do. We were going to drive from here in Connecticut, drive down to Orlando, because that's what you do, right, when you have children, they love to get in a car for 21 hours. That's just a great idea. And not only that, we had this great idea that we would do it with our some friends. And I don't want to embarrass them and say what their names. So I'm going to make up some names. Um, let's think. Their names are going to be Mark and Jeanette. <laughs> Hypothetical, just making up some names. Nobody feel. And let's pretend they're um, they're from they're from England. All right. Let's just pretend. Hypo, totally hypothetical situation. Don't want anybody to be embarrassed. Let's just say that we were going to do this together with um. What do we call them again? Mark and Jeanette, and they're from England. All right. And we would stop. We would stop and get gas because you know, that's what you have to do. You got to, you know, and you always got to go to a truck stop. Seriously, where can you find a microwave, an espresso maker, a dehumidifier that makes beef jerky and plays a DVD and plugs into a cigarette lighter? Like, come on, that's something to be okay. Anyway, it's fascinating. And so we're at the first stop. We stop at like a you know a truck stop, which is always an experience and we're stopped there and we get back out we come in and my friend um mark um is like excuse me chris 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 have you not seen the time my family is in the car we've we you are five minutes behind schedule well how long were you in the bathroom oh hold on they don't call it the bathroom how long were you in the loo um and i was like well we're enjoying like look this is amazing like have you never seen did you see the espresso you know beef jerky tv microwave that plugs into a cigarette lighter inside it's like i don't care about those things it's not important i'm like did you see that we're only two miles away from the biggest ball of yarn in the western hemisphere and only six miles down the road is the largest it's like that doesn't make sense we need to get to go where we're going let's go by the second time we got gas they were like five hours ahead of us like they just couldn't handle it. he's like we got to get to it i'm sorry <clears throat> we have they were our friends mark and jeanette who are british 
really just wanted to get to where we were going. I guess they had tea with the queen or something. I don't know, whatever, crumpets and all that. I had something to do. They got there two hours or three hours before us at the end of it all. But I learned something on that trip. You have to be, you have to enjoy the journey. The destination is set. Everything else is the journey. And you can miss out on all the blessings, all the little things along the way if you're too focused on where you need to go and where you're going to get. And listen, this is, this is just, if you can get this, if you're young, if you're going into college, if you can understand this, learn to love making cup of noodles. Learn to love learning how to make fish in a microwave. Like your whole dorm is going to hate you, but it's only momentary. Like, I mean, <laughs> and so will the entire office staff if you ever did. Not that I've ever done that, but it might have theoretically happened to me. But anyway, learn to live on five bucks on a weekend. Enjoy the journey. Because when you get to where you're going, you're going to appreciate, you're going to remember those days, you're going to think fondly. Enjoy it when things don't work. The journey is where it's at. As followers of Christ, the destination is set. That destination is set on eternity. When you accepted Christ, God didn't intend for you to be like, oh, well, that was cool. All right, destination. Let's type it into ways and just wait till we get there. No, that's not what God wanted. God's got the destination taken care of, and he's got the journey taken care of too. And he wants you to be led and guide and accomplish every little thing along the way. You see, on the journey on a vacation, memories are being made along the way. You know, taking a selfie in front of like four cars that are buried nose in in the desert. It's a big deal. Taking a picture with a giant ball of yarn and a dinosaur for some odd reason. All the journey starts along the way. Your destiny starts along the way if you never give up. That's the second part of the verse. Never give up. Give up. Because at the right time, God will send a harvest of blessing. How many harvests, how many blessings have we missed out on because we gave up too early? Got real quiet. We love to say, with Jesus, you're destined to win. But how many destinies were walked away from? Because we gave up. It's too much work, too much hustle. Couldn't handle it. That book that God put in your heart to write. You felt it in your soul like this is what I'm made to do. This is what i got to do. This story, this word is meant for somebody. But you stopped. You pulled back. Your marriage, you started out one way. Like we're going we're gonna to have godly kids. We're going to go to church every week. We're going to make him a priority before our kids go to bed. We're going to pray every single night. Ah, you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's just one night. One night turns into a week, a month. Next thing you know, you, you only come to church on Christmas and Easter and you can't understand why your kids think that you're a hypocrite. How many blessings and harvest and things did we lose because we gave up too early? I want somebody to know if you're here today, you can't give up. 
You can't give up. You need the reminder. You need to hear it. The Bible is telling you, you can't give up on your journey, on your destiny. Where you're going is already set. It might be raining right now in the car, but enjoy it because I got something to tell you that joy comes with the morning that at just the right time, God's going to pull back that cloud. Your blessing, your destiny is going to come to fruition and you're going to see it with your own eyes if you don't give up. I needed it. I needed the reminder. I needed a passage that pumped me up to remind me that I can, I can't, and I must. I must. Proverbs 24, 16. The righteous fall seven times, but they get back up again. The righteous fall seven times, but they rise eight. When I read the Bible, there's some verses that, you know, they're just nice, encouraging, pretty verses. You know, it's like, God is flowers. And you're like, oh, I love that, you know. And then there's some that are like, oh, I don't, what? Brimstone and hell? It's like, no, I'll just skip that, you know. And then sometimes you read it, it's like names. Like, I don't care who your boo is. I can move on, you know. I don't know if people say boo anymore, but. um, (laughs) Bay, sorry. That's right, right? Anyway. I don't care who your bay is. Next. These people are dead. Um, I have totally lost my train of thought. But anyway, but then sometimes you read Bible verses that cut you in half. Proverbs 24, 16 is one of those verses. If I had to think of a verse that defines who I am, it could sum up my life in one verse. It's Proverbs 24, 16. Because I fall down a lot. I fail a lot. I miss details, deadlines. I forget things. I screw up a lot. My life is pretty simple. I've got three goals. I'm going to be a great husband, great father, and a great leader. That's it. It's simple. It might be easy for you, but it's not easy for me. But that's what, who I am. At the end of, In the morning, those, those are my three goals that I wake up with. Maybe that's, I'll get another tattoo and really kind of freak some of you out, you know, right there. Anyway. Those are my three goals when I wake up in the morning. That's what I want to be. Last year, let me back up. One of the things I love to do is coach my son and play baseball with him. That's like, that's like my favorite thing to do as a father, spending time with him and playing baseball. Like that is huge for me. So, and whether his team is there is inconsequential. Whether we're coaching a team or it's just me and him in the batting cages, it's a big deal for us. I love it. It's just something I love as a father. However, that second goal of being a great dad began to break down last year. Um, I don't know what happened. I wish I could, and I can't even remember what I said. And I'd tell you. if I mean, if I said a bad word, I'd tell you. I mean, I wouldn't tell you the word, but I would tell you that I said the bad word. But he got in the truck, and I don't know if it was a bad practice, it was a bad day. I don't know if he had a bad attitude. And I don't know if you've ever coached your kid. But there's an interesting dichotomy when you coach your kid because you want them to do really well. You want them to perform at the level that you see them or, or maybe not they, they're at, but where you see them going. Like this is, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult dichotomy that, that's kind of happening um, in that relationship. And for whatever reason, there's no excuse. I lost it. He sat in the truck and I just started yelling. I let him absolutely have it. Because I was angry. I messed up. Fell down pull out of the parking lot because I'm just ticked off or 
really mad. Sorry. And we're driving down the road and look in the rearview mirror and I look back and there's my boy. His head down. His eyes are bloodshot and tears are just running down his face. And I called his name. I said, Jordan, what's up? And he just looks up at me. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. You're failing at your goal to be a great dad. Because looking back at you in that mirror is a little boy that only wants your approval. I threw the car off to the, I didn't throw. I drove the car off the side of the road, threw it in a park. I reached back there, I grabbed him out of his seat and I pulled him in my lap and I wrapped my arms around him and I sobbed. And I know that might be hard for some of you because you don't think I have tear ducts, but I do. And I sat there and I sobbed and I said, buddy, I'm so sorry. Daddy messed up. Daddy fell down. And I am wrong. I need you. I'm asking my seven or eight year old son to forgive me. See, a lot of Christians, like, I just got to get back up. Yeah, but you know what? When you get up, you got to take the medicine. You got to make it right. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace because the fall doesn't cost as much and gives you the strength. But that doesn't mean you don't got to make it right. Imagine what our society would be if the people who fell down and who made mistakes decided they were going to make things right. Imagine what your relationships and the dynamics in your family, if you apologize and you said, you know what, babe, I am so sorry that this happened. Forgive me. Get back up. I needed the reminder that I needed to get back up. No matter how big or small it is, you need the reminder too that you got to get back up. The righteous fall seven times, but you got to get back up. Get back up again. You mess up. You lose your temper. You say something you don't mean. Get back up. Addiction calls your name and you pick up the phone, get back up. If you're in a relationship and you're trying to make things right and you mess up and you fall down, get back up, but don't stop because you must get back up. I needed the reminder that I can, I can't, I must, and finally, that I win. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every lying tongue that speaks against you shall be condemned thus is the inheritance inheritance of the servants of the Lord I love that let's start with the end there the heritage now we don't use that word I mean I don't think I've seen heritage since forever I don't you know welcome to heritage it's like what, what is this guys selling wreaths <laughs> um so I Googled it because nobody uses a dictionary, right? So I Googled it. You know what heritage means? It means inheritance. If you're a follower of Christ, this is it. This is your trust fund. This is everything that you got in the deal from your daddy. Daddy, not mommy. Daddy. This is what's coming your way. And what is, what is that? That nothing that's coming against you. No fight, no weapon, no thing, no situation shall prosper. It ain't making money when it comes at you. And anybody that runs their mouth is getting cut in half because that is your inheritance. That is your trust fund. That is your heritage. I needed that reminder. I've told this story. I don't know if I've 
shared it with, with you guys, but I know that I've shared this with uh, the teenagers years ago. And I had a teacher in my sophomore year, and I don't want to say her name, so let me just make up a name. Uh, Miss Lubis. It rhymes with Mrs. Lubis. <laughs> rhymes uh, with Mrs. Lubis. She lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 7405. No, Um I had to send her a letter at some point. You know this. So I was in her geometry class, and the first two weeks of school had started. And if you're familiar, for you remember back when you started school, like the first two weeks are just blow-off weeks. Do not hear that, freshmen in college. You need to go to school the first two weeks. Seniors, don't try to think the first two weeks you can blow off, but they pretty much are blow-off weeks, right? Teachers are just getting back. They're just getting caffeinated. They're still trying to figure out if they really want to do this for another year. Um, And you've got assemblies and all these different things. So it's really kind of crazy. Well, I was getting like a three in geometry. Like like I wasn't even getting points for like showing up because this woman hated me. She took it upon herself to call my mom. She called my mom and said, I just wanted to give you a call. It's been two weeks and I can already see what's going to happen with your son. She says, your son is going to fail geometry. And not only is he going to fail geometry, he's going to fail in life. And if he remains in my class, he's going to fail the year. Now, I'm thankful for Mama Bazance because you know what Mama Bazance said? She said, you know what? You're 100% right, but I got something to tell you about my baby boy. He's not going to fail your class because he ain't going back to your class. We're going to find him someone that actually cares about him, who's going to invest in him, that believes no matter what you say, no matter what it is, he is going to be successful. And end up with like a D minus. But anyway, I still got through it by the skin of my teeth. But that story tells me and it tells you that you need to be reminded of no matter what the obstacle is. For me, it was geometry. For you, it could be a job situation. It could be a relationship. It could be a barrier that you're up against. You feel like the enemy is just shooting arrows at you. You're walking into work and you feel like, you know what? They're hitting you. Well, I'm here to tell you no matter what the arrow is, no matter what the object is, you can keep on walking. You can keep on stepping because it is your inheritance from God Almighty that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. It ain't making money. It ain't going to mess with your money. It's not going to get in your way. It's not going to stop you from getting what you got to get because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's your heritage. And the part that I love the best is any lie that is said against you. All those people that talk junk about you, guess what? They're going to get what they deserve. They're going to get what they deserve. They're going to get got because the Bible says they are condemned by the same inheritance that breaks down every weapon. So when people are running your mouth about you, just know that's part of your inheritance. When people start saying stuff that you can't, that you're going to be a failure, you're going to be messed up, that you're never going to have what you want to have, you're never going to enjoy the journey, you're never going to see the destiny, you can't do anything, you're incapable, just remind them that this is my inheritance from God Almighty, and it's coming my way. I needed the reminder. I needed to know. I needed it. I needed the passages that pumped me up. So I told you on July 4th, I decided to change some things. Started living and memorizing, speaking and writing these scriptures anywhere. Matter of fact, I took out a Sharpie and, and wrote it on the um, doorframe of my office. Probably should have got permission before I did that, but I did. Um, don't tell Pastor Richie, okay? 
Um, and I wrote it there, so I see it. I needed to see it. I needed the reminder. And can I tell you something? It didn't happen right away. Some people think you come to church once and everything's just hunky-dory and it all comes back together. That didn't happen. It's taken me the last week. It's taken me the last few weeks. It's taken me the last month to feel like I'm winning every day again. I'm not where I was and I'm certainly not where I want to be, but I'm definitely not going backwards anymore. And I can tell you the last couple of months, the last couple of weeks, my teams have been winning. My guys have been winning. They've been hitting their things, getting their things done. We're still not where we want to be, but we know where we're going. And we know that with these passages, with these mentalities that I can, I can't, I must, I win. We're going to see what Jesus is going to do through every single one of us. I needed that. I needed to be reminded that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't give up because at the right time, the harvest is coming. That I must get back up again because the righteous fall seven, but we get up eight. I needed the reminder that I win because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Some of you are missing this. You need to get this inside of you. You need to be told, number one, that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That you can't give up because at the right time, that harvest of blessing is coming. That you must get back up no matter how hard you fall. You got to get back up. And number three, that you win because Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Some of you all still not getting this. I wish somebody would start to declaring this over their family, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that I can't give up because at the right time, God is going to bring the blessing and I'm going to win. I'm not going to get back. I'm going to get back up. No matter how many times I get back down, I wish someone would stand to their feet and start telling God, start telling the devil, start telling that situation that this is what's happening right now. I can, I can't, I must, I win. The devil is getting put on notice. The enemy needs to start running because we can we can't. We must. We win. Come on, someone start telling, start telling that situation. Start speaking that scripture because this is what God has called you to do because greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. That we are more than a conquerors through Christ Jesus because we can do all things through Christ. We can't give up because at the right time the harvest is coming and every time we mess up and we get knocked out, guess what baby? We're getting back up and we're coming at it even harder because no weapon formed against it shall prosper.